Hello, and welcome to the Park Baptist Church Podcast with Pastor David Blakely. Our goal is to preach the Word of God in a real and authentic way, so you are filled with the Spirit to guide you through life each and every week. To learn more about Park Baptist Church, visit parkbaptist.com. And now, Pastor David Blakely. Well, good morning again. Well, this morning, I want to address the subject, and my sermon title is, Are You a Disciple of Jesus? There's a lot of books out there on discipleship. Uh, past few years, there's been a couple of them, uh, Not a Fan and I Am Second. Both were major pushes to just help deal with the idea of discipleship. There's also a book uh, written more from a negative perspective called The Christian Atheist. And the whole point of that book is talking about the fact that there are many people who profess to be followers of Christ, and yet uh, they live like there is no Christ. They, you know, they are, are really more atheistic in, in the way they handle themselves. And so there, there is this understanding that we are to be disciples of Jesus, but... What does that mean exactly? Uh, to be a disciple really entails a lot more than just a, a superficial understanding. And so this morning, I want to look at what does it mean to really be a disciple of Jesus. In the Great Commission, Jesus said in Matthew 28, And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And, lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. That is the Great Commission. That, that is making disciples. And the whole point of making disciples that, that's really the goal of evangelism, is to, to go out throughout the world and to help people understand the, the gospel message that Jesus died on the cross for them, for their sins, in a personal way. My question, though, for you this morning is, are you a disciple of Jesus? You know, perhaps you believe in Jesus. Um, you might even attend church on a regular basis. But that's not what being a disciple is all about. And so let's, let's understand, first of all, the definition of a disciple. The word disciple, disciple literally means a learner, someone who learns. And it, it's one who follows another's teachings. Um, a disciple is someone who not only is a learner, but is is a follower in mannerism and custom and and even in sometimes even the way that a person dresses you can tell one disciple following a, a certain leader by the way they dress but disciples are generally known as someone who is an imitator of their master of of the person that they are, are following after. 
And so the goal of a disciple uh, needs to be clarified because just because you see someone who talks a certain way or acts a certain way, that doesn't automatically mean that they are a disciple. Jesus said it very clearly in Luke 6, verse 40, a disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone who is perfectly trained will be like his teacher. To be Jesus' disciple, then, we need to strive to be like Jesus. Well, what does that mean exactly, to, to strive to be like Jesus? It means that we, we have to take on the thought process of Jesus, that we have to not just know what Jesus had to say, but we have to believe it. We have to internalize it. We have to have the same attitudes, the same mindset that Jesus has. Because in Romans 8, it says, For though, for whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. So you see, for us to be disciples, we have to conform to Christ. And the word conform, if you think about it, it's to bend, to mold to something. You know, if you are conforming, then you are being shaped in the same likeness. And that's what we are to be as disciples. Now, my question again for you is, are you trying to conform to be like Jesus? Are you trying to become more and more like Jesus? And I'm not talking growing a beard, letting your hair grow out, and wearing sandals, and you know, walking around in your bathrobe. Uh, COVID has done that for a lot of us, <laughs> but that—that's not the goal that we're after. What you want is: Are you thinking like Jesus? Are you understanding the the world from a Jesus perspective? And unless you're trying to do that. You're not really a disciple of Jesus. So Jesus gives us some identifying characteristics uh, that, that we can look at and say that's something that a disciple does. And then we can also say this is what a disciple is not. The first thing is that we abide. A, a true disciple abides in Jesus' words. John 8, 31 says, Then Jesus said to the Jews who believed in him, If you abide in my word, you are my disciple indeed. Well, what does it mean to abide? We don't really use that word in, in everyday language very often. Well, to abide in something means to be immersed in it, to be laid into something. And so... If, if we want to abide in Christ's word, that means that we are a diligent student of what Jesus had to say. You know, when you spend time in the Bible, are you spending time dissecting what Jesus had to say and, and trying to understand, get into the mind of Jesus? That's what it means to abide in his word. You have to be a diligent student of Jesus. That, that's, that's the goal. Um, Matthew 7, verse 21, Jesus says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, 
but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. So we want to study the Word of God, and then we want to act on the Word of God. We can't say that we are a disciple, a follower of Jesus, but we don't behave like Jesus. You know, there, there is a, an incongruity. There, there's a breakdown between what we say and what we do. And what we have to have is harmony between what we say and what we do. If we say we're a follower of Christ, then we have to look like Christ. We have to, we have, to have the same mindset, the same, the same approach to life that Jesus had. And that's, that's a long cry from where we are, I think, for the most part. So what is it, you know, besides abiding in Jesus' words, what else marks a true disciple? Well, we have to be lovers of the body of Christ, lovers of, of, of each other. Um, Jesus said in John 13, A new commandment I give you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you love one another. By this, all will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. Jesus said it multiple times there that we are to love one another. We are to have a pattern of love. Now, it's one thing that every once in a while we will have something come up and we all rally around and we say, oh boy, I love you. I care about you. You know, you're, you're in my prayers and my thoughts and things like that. And then we go on about our business. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about day in and day out. We are loving. We are caring. We are doing everything we can to support and help one another. We're praying for each other. We're going out of our way to to minister to one another. That's what love looks like. Love isn't saying, hey, I'm thinking about you while you're doing whatever you're doing. You know, that's not love. Love is when you walk alongside with someone and, and you're, you're going through the, the struggles they're going through with them. That's what love is. And, that, and it's a love that the world can see. Notice that it says that by this, all will know that you are my disciples. When the world looks at us, do they see love? When the world looks at you, do they see love? That's, that's the question that you need to, to be asking yourself. If you consider yourself a disciple of Jesus Christ, are you spending time in the word of God, really seeking to know what Jesus said and thought and how he interacted and are you a loving person another mark of a a true disciple is that you bear much fruit now in john when i say bear much fruit i'm not talking about rawr, bear that, that's the other kind of bear um, in john 15 it says by this my father is glorified that you bear much fruit so you will be my disciples. That's the goal, that we are producing a lot of fruit. Notice that it says much fruit in, there in verse 5. Um, Jesus isn't just talking about an occasional good deed that we do here and there when, when the, the fancy hits us, 
but it's a lifestyle that people people just come to kind of know well that's the way they act that that's just who they are they're constantly doing things for the kingdom of god that's that's what it means to bear much fruit matthew 5:16 says let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your father in heaven you see once again we are to to live a life where when the world looks at us, they see something that's different, something that's unique, something that's special, not the same old thing that they see when they look at themselves. And we are to be different. We are to be abiding, spending time in the Word of God. We are to love each other, and we are to be living in such a way that even when the world looks at us, they go, wow, there's something different about that person. First Peter 2.12 says, be careful to live proper, uh, properly among your unbelieving neighbors. Then, even if they accuse you of doing wrong, they will see your honorable behavior and they will give honor to God when he judges the world. Now, this is important because... Up till now, we've said, oh, okay, yeah, sure, I'm doing that, you betcha. But the Bible actually says that if you don't do what I just said, if you don't abide in Jesus, if you don't love, and if you don't bear fruit, God's going to come along with his pruning shears, and he's going to get to you. In John chapter 15, it says, I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit. That's important to understand. And then he goes on and he says he prunes the branches that do bear fruit so that they will produce even more. It is not an option for us on whether we produce fruit. And one of the, the problems that we run into is that People will say, well, I, I've done my share. I've, I've helped out, and it's someone else's turn. I'm going to take some time off. You know what? That's not an option. We are called by, by God to be workers for his kingdom. There is no time off. There is no retirement plan for the, for the Christian, not on this side of eternity. To be a disciple of Jesus means more than just casual following, casual being a casual church member. It requires commitment, especially to the teachings of Jesus and to loving one another and to bearing much fruit. That's expected of us. Those, those three items are just part of the great commission. We are to do those things. We're commanded to do those things. Now, as, as you can imagine, that there is a cost to following after Jesus. Uh, the, the thing that we have to understand right up front is there is a cost to following Jesus because Jesus must come first. Now, we all sitting here say, sure, I get that. I understand that. But I don't think we really do. 
Jesus said in Luke 14, a large crowd was following Jesus, and he turned around and said to them, if you want to be my disciples, you must, by comparison, hate everyone else. Your father, your mother, your wife, your children, your brothers and your sisters. Yes, even your own life. Otherwise, you cannot be my disciple. Do you hear what Jesus is saying there? He's saying that there is a cost associated with being a disciple of Jesus. And that cost is a great one. That you have to be so committed to following after Jesus that in comparison, your relationships with other people are, are just minuscule. They're, they, they become less important than Jesus. People need to be where they get sick of hearing you talk about Jesus because you are so committed to Jesus that he is always on your lips, always on your mind, always in, in the center of everything that you have going on. He needs to be before your family. This is hard teaching, but Jesus needs to be more important than your own family. Matthew 10, it says, Don't imagine that I came to bring peace to the earth. I came not to bring peace, but a sword. I have come to set man against his father, a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. Your enemies will be right in your own household. If your love for your father or mother, um, if you love your father or mother more than you love me, you are not worthy of being mine. Or if you love your son or daughter more than me, you are not worthy of being mine. I've told you before, but I, I, it, it's appropriate to say it again. Your spiritual family is going to last longer than your biological family. Your biological family is only for the length of this life. Your spiritual family is for all eternity. So while you shouldn't neglect your earthly family, their importance should pale in comparison to the importance of Jesus Christ and your spiritual family. Your spiritual family is more important than your biological family. Now again, that's a hard teaching, but Jesus said the, that very same thing. You should be so committed to Christ that he is more important than your own life. Luke 9, 23 and following says, Then he, that being Jesus, said to the crowd, If any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your own cross daily, and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world, but you yourself are lost or destroyed? You need to be willing to understand that you're going to suffer as a follower of Jesus. In our world, it is becoming less and less an acceptable thing to be a follower of Jesus. You can be religious all day long. The world doesn't care about being religious. But you, if, when you become a follower of Jesus Christ, you are going to be persecuted. 
and the world is going to, to not understand you, and they're not going to like you. 2 Timothy 3.12 says, Everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. What am I saying? I'm saying that you have to make a decision to forsake everything for the cause of following Jesus Christ. You have to count the cost. Uh, Luke 14, 28 says, Don't begin until you count the cost. For who will be, begin construction of a building with first, without first calculating the cost to see if there is enough money to finish it? Jesus needs to be the king of your life. And that means that you have to have this mindset where it is Jesus and nothing else. Jesus is more important than your family. Jesus is more important than your work. Jesus is more important than your social status. Jesus is more important than your bank account. Jesus is more important than anything you can name. That's a hard understanding, but that's what Jesus is asking from each of us. The cost of discipleship required by Jesus is absolutely everything. Don't consider yourself a disciple if you're not giving everything for the cause of Christ. And don't fool yourself in saying, well, I'm doing enough. No, none of us is doing enough. Peter and, and the other disciples said to Jesus, we have given up everything to follow you. I don't think many of us or really any of us can say we've given up everything to be a follower of Jesus. There is a cost to following Christ. But at the same time, there is also a reward to following Christ. You see, um, in John chapter 3, verses 17 and 18, it says, God sent his son into the world not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. Now catch this. There is no judgment against anyone who believes in him. Do you hear that? There is no judgment. You see... One of the advantages of being a disciple of Jesus is the fact that you will not be judged by God. He has already paid for your penalty, the penalty of your sin when Jesus died on the cross. And so there is no judgment awaiting. But this verse goes on to say, um, those who don't believe in him have already been judged for not believing in God's one and only son. You see, as a follower of Christ, as a disciple of Christ, you have been freed from judgment. Everyone else is going to be judged by God because they have rejected Jesus. But you have been freed if you are a disciple of Jesus. Romans 5.9 says, And since we have been made right in God's sight, how? Not by good works, but by the blood of Christ. He will certainly save us from God's condemnation. So the first reward, if you will, of being a disciple of Jesus is that you have, have escaped judgment by God. 
The second thing is that we can look forward to the glory of heaven. Revelation 21 verses 3 and 4 says, I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, Look, God's home is now among his people. He will live with them and they will be his people. God himself will be with them and he will wipe away every tear from their eyes and there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All of these things are gone forever. You see, when you're a disciple of Jesus, you have heaven to look forward to. Heaven is not going to be just sitting back and propping your feet up on a cloud and, and doing nothing. Heaven is going to be a time of com close, intimate communion with God without the, the interference of sin. All of the effects of sin are going to be done away with. And we are going to be able to enjoy the, the benefit of close, intimate communion with God. In the Garden of Eden, it talked about how in the cool of the evening that God would come down and walk with Adam and Eve and that it would be just a, a time of close fellowship. That's going to be once again. We're going to have that, that privilege one more, one, once again. There's also blessings to being a follower of Christ right now, this very moment. When we are a, a disciple of Christ, the Bible promises us a peace that passes understanding. In John 14, Jesus says, The peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. Peace found in the security from the hand of God. You see, when we are a true follower of Christ, a disciple of Jesus, we have the privilege of being able to know that God is in control. Let there be light. And we have the, we have the privilege of, of just enjoying this intimacy with God. We, even now, we have the peace that only God can give. We have the hope of our salvation and so we're able to, to be able to just bask in, in that relationship that we have with God. There are many other blessings, and, and I'm not going to get into all of them, but one of the, the blessings we have is the blessing of fellowship. That be, If we are abiding in God's Word and we are loving one another, and we, we are enjoying that relationship that we have with each other, then there's going to be this fellowship among each other because we're all walking the same path together. So there is so much that we can look forward to as disciples of Jesus. How do you begin this? Maybe you're sitting here right now and your entire life, you have thought, well, I'm a Christian, I'm a follower of Jesus, but you're discovering that you really haven't been a disciple of Jesus. Well, the beginning place is obviously to make that commitment to Christ that, that he and nothing else is going to share the supreme spot in your life, that you are going to be absolutely, totally committed to him, period. Then the second thing is baptism. A lot of people have accepted Christ, but they've never taken the step of baptism. And baptism is, is important because 
the goal of discipleship is to be like Jesus. And he was holy and he was sinless. And he, he was baptized as an example. And so we too need to be baptized in order to, to be in obedience to him. In Acts 2, verse 38, it says, Each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Or Romans 6, 3 and 4 says, Have you forgotten that when you were joined with Christ Jesus in baptism, we joined him in his death? For we died and were buried with Christ by baptism. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now also we may live new lives. Why, why is baptism so important? Because it's an act of submission which, which shows that we are taking a step of faith in obedience to Christ. If you are a follower of Christ, if you are a disciple of Jesus, and you have never been baptized it's time to do that. Baptism by immersion out of obedience to Christ. It, it's, it's an act of submission, and it is the picture of being buried to your old way of life and being raised into a new life of following Christ. Also being a disciple means that you practice dis, being discipled, that you practice walking in obedience to Jesus. Uh, you know, being a follower of Christ means that we have to daily die to self and daily follow the teachings of Jesus. Now, just just to kind of wrap this up and, and pull it together, only those who are truly demonstrating the marks of discipleship who despite the cost to them on a, on a personal level, can, can truly be called a disciple of Jesus. And only those individuals can also look forward to sharing in the, the joy that comes with being a disciple. Jesus said, Lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. He's not with everybody He's with those who are his disciples. So if you want to experience intimacy with God, if you want to experience that closeness of fellowship, you have to be the disciple that he has called you to be. This takes an act of your will. It takes an act of, of decision that you make every moment of every day. That's not a one-time decision that is done. And it's like, okay, I've got that covered. This is something you do daily. That's what it means to take up your cross daily and follow him. The reward is worth it. My invitation to you this morning is to respond and be a disciple of Jesus. Don't just be a follower, a casual observer you know, there were 5,000 that, that wanted to follow Jesus because he fed them. But when Jesus had his disciples in the other upper room, there was only a small handful. 
He's not after big crowds. He's after the heart of the committed. Are you willing to be one of those people? Please bow with me. Jesus, we so desperately need you. We don't need religion. We don't need activity. We need you. And we need your Holy Spirit to just give us the strength and the desire and the resolve to make a commitment to you that we will follow you regardless of the cost. We will follow you no matter what. Heavenly Father, I pray just now that you will help us to weigh the cost and realize that it is worth it to follow you even unto death. Heavenly Father, thank you for loving us. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for the privilege that you have called us to serve you. Help us to be strong now and to do just that. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.